Hi folks, FPL General here again recording a new episode of my 59th Minute FPL podcast. Recording on Tuesday, August 27th, so we're going to look back on how Game Week 3 went and more importantly look ahead to Game Week 4. Hard to believe we're approaching the first international break of the season, so I always find the first international break is a good time to, to take stock have a have a more detailed look at the stats and, and you know get a picture of where we're at for the season. So we're looking forward to sitting down next week and kind of going through things with it with a fine tooth comb uh, and seeing seeing what trends are are emerging for for this season. So going to follow similar similar structure as usual. Shout outs, game week review, talk about my watch list, answer some questions, and finish with captaincy and transfers for game week four. So getting straight into it, again, we're three game weeks in and there's yet to be anyone hauled off in the dreaded 59th minute. So still waiting patiently for the first shout out of the season. A couple of notable mentions this week, João Matinho at Wolves, managed 58, Ceballos at Arsenal, thanks to everyone who sent me messages last week complaining about my Caballos pronunciation, so I'm, I'm told it's Ceballos, so I'm going to try and get that right from now on. So the Arsenal man managed 60 minutes, so just about missed out on a shout-out. And Gilfie Sigurdsson, FPL legend of seasons gone by, another disappointing performance, hauled off in the 61st minute. So hopefully game week four will bring us the first 59th minute candidate of the season. Moving into a review of Game Week 3 now, I won't dwell on this too much. Uh, Game Week 3 was a good one for me. I toiled with the wildcard and in the end decided against it, thankfully, uh, because I would have got rid of Mo Salah, I think, if, if I wildcarded last week. So in the end, the, the, the minus four paid off. I got rid of Wilson, Fraser and Perez and brought in Pookie, John McGinn, and Kevin De Bruyne, and it was nice that all three delivered instantly. So nice to you know, first three transfers of the season paid off. Uh, and when I think back to to previous seasons where I've done well, um, more often than not, I was able to nail those transfers. You know, they don't have to deliver right away first game week, but you know, you're hoping in the first couple of weeks that you own them that they do pay you back. So hopefully, you know, starting as I mean to go on in terms of transfers this season and, and try and nail as many of those as possible. Um, very disappointing to lose the Nick Pope clean sheet. What was it, ninety sixth or ninety seventh minute? You just, I just knew it was going to happen. You know, following following that uh, game on Twitter, uh, everyone was getting excited about Nick Pope and, and bonus points, and they were hoping that he, that he would get one more save before the ninetieth minute. And when when you're hoping for those kind of things, only one thing happens. So. Um, disappointing, but again, I, I'm still very happy with Nick Pope between the sticks. Um, my four uh, four premium defenders, again, disappointing. Got an assist from Alexander-Arnold, but no clean sheets again for him and Robertson. Lucas Dean and Zinchenko, disappointing as well. But I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm sticking with those four guys. I've got no plans to move away from, from those premium defenders just yet. Hopefully, patience will be rewarded over the next couple of weeks. Midfielders all delivered. Sterling, Captain, Salah, De Bruyne and new boy John McGinn. 
upfront Pookie did the business, uh, but Jota didn't once again. So Jota's been very disappointing. He's losing value now as well, um, and I'll talk to him when it comes to transfers, but it looks like I'm probably going to be stuck with him because I don't have anything in the bank. There's not much you can do for 6.4 million, so he's probably going to get one more game before he gets shipped out after the international break. Talking about my watch list now, so I'm going to mention five players I've added to the watch list this week and three that I've removed. I'll start with the ones I've removed. Pretty pretty self-explanatory, these ones. Gelfi Sigurdsson, as I mentioned, hauled off in the you know after an hour. Another disappointing performance. I wouldn't be surprised to see him benched one of these game weeks with, with a Wobi coming in possibly. So worrying times for anyone who has Sigurdsson. And I think he's an easy sell now given how the first few game weeks have gone. Much better options at cheaper prices. Um, Pedro is another one I've removed. So usually I remove players from my watch list if they pick up an injury. Pedro picked one up in the warm-up before that Chelsea game at the weekend, so he's gone now from my watch list. And Lacazette is another one. So Lacazette didn't start at the weekend, came on for the last 10 minutes. So I've got no interest in a player who who costs that much money who could be on the bench any given game week. So now, more interestingly, which players have I added this week? So which players caught my eye? Which players do I like the stats of... Um, so talk, I mentioned Lacazette there, I've removed him, but I've added another Arsenal player this week. The guy Pepe, he impressed me against Liverpool, he probably should have got himself on the score sheet. He had a very good chance, one-on-one, that he put straight at Adrian. But overall, I thought it was a, a very very impressive performance from the new guy. He played 90 minutes, he's, what is he, 9.4 million, so he's dropped a little bit since game week one. He do, Arsenal do have Spurs next, was so probably not the time to be looking at the likes of Pepe, but definitely one I'm going to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks. And I think he could, I think he could end up becoming a an option, possibly as an alternative to the to the more expensive Aubameyang. So one to keep an eye on there. Um, another one, similar price, Youngman's son, nine point five million. The I didn't watch all of the Spurs game, but the parts of the game that I did see. You know, it looked like Son was going to be the most likely goal scorer in that game, as opposed to Harry Kane. Looking at the stats, they backed that up as well. Kane completely outperformed. Um, sorry, Son completely outperformed Kane in terms of the underlying statistics in that game. So it's worrying signs for Kane owners, but I think positive signs for Hyungmin Son. So again, not looking to bring him in this week, but I'll be watching him closely. Game week four. You know, if he passes the eye test again. Maybe someone I'll look at after the international break. You know, talking about Youngman's son, talking about Spurs in general, it just things don't seem right there. You know, the Ericsson thing hanging over them. Why is Vertonghen not playing? There seems to be a lot of, you know, underlying issues there. For So for me, given how the first couple of game weeks have gone, given that defeat against Newcastle, they looked pretty clueless in terms of attacking ideas. You know, no clean sheets this season for Spurs. So again, I think it's an easy avoid. Um, just a wait and see on Spurs. I'm not interested until I see improvements there. You know, I don't see a happy manager. I don't see happy players. So things are not all, you know, rosy there. So going to give them a bit of time to settle down this season. Another player who impressed me again in game week three, James Madison, priced at seven million, got his second assist in three games. Now, Leicester fixtures are not great. So again, another player I'm not interested in in the short term. 
but I do think there'll come a point in the season where I'll be looking to get Madison in. He did really well for me last season. Um, I think he did miss a penalty for me at one point. Did he get a red card last season too? If he did, I was on him when he did, but um, yeah, really like, I think Madison looks the best of the Leicester attacking options going on the first three game weeks. Again, three game weeks, it's not a lot of information, but the signs are good there, I think, for, for Madison. Creates a lot of chances, can get goals as well, you know, loads of set pieces, so I think he could be a, a really good option this season at 7 million. Two strikers now. So I mentioned I've got Jota stinking out my team. I'll be looking for replacements for him after the international break. And two guys who are in the running, uh, Wesley at Aston Villa and Allaire at West Ham. I'll start with Wesley first. He's you know he's a lot cheaper than Allaire. Uh, Wesley is six million. Scored his first goal uh, on Friday night, and you could see you know that was a big weight off his shoulders. He he had a very good game after that. I thought his all round game was was excellent. You know hold up play, um, took his goal really well. Um, I'm still not a hundred percent hundred percent convinced he's going to score you know bags and bags of goals this season, but I think it's six million. Um, I've been impressed by Aston Villa this season. I've got McGinn. Um, again, the fact that I've got McGinn it prob- probably makes me less likely to go for Wesley because I don't really fancy the double up front from Aston Villa attack. But I think for anyone who doesn't have McGinn, uh, Wesley is definitely one to keep an eye on. Alair at West Ham, a little bit more expensive, 7.4 million. Missed game week two with injury, uh, but came back with a brace uh, in game week three. Now, how much do we read into that brace? Because he was playing against Watford, who have been atrocious defensively this season. So, you know, let's see let's see how he does in game week four. He's got Norwich at home. Again, another team who haven't defended very well at all this season. So I think, you know, this week could actually be a good week to get on, Allaire, if you can get to him easily. You know, I think if I was someone who had cash in the bank and I could get from Jota to, to Allaire. It's probably a no-brainer this week, given given that Norwich fixture for, for West Ham. So, really like the look of Allaire. I probably like him more than Wesley. It's just the price is a little bit off-putting. He is, you know, he's more expensive than the, you know, the six, 6.5 million strikers. So, for me, I'm going to, hopefully going to try and catch that West Ham game against Norwich to, to run run the eye test over Allaire once more. And if he passes it, if he gets on the score sheet again, you know, very good chance I'll be looking at him uh, game week five then. So that's that's a couple of options for you to think about and, and for me to, to think about. You know, those five I've mentioned, I'll be keeping a close eye, you know, probably a closer eye on those five over uh, during game week four than, than some of the other players on my watch list. Moving on now to the Twitter questions, loads and loads of questions this week. I think I got over 80 questions on that tweet I sent out yesterday, so thanks to everyone who sends them in. Um, Obviously, I can't go through all of them, or this would be a three-hour long podcast, and nobody wants to listen to me for three hours. So I've picked out five of the best ones some that cover some of the main talking points this week, so they'll cover some of the answers. They'll cover some of the questions that I won't answer as well. First one came in from Clipperty Clopperty, great name. Uh, Clipperty Clopperty asks, should cane owners stick with him or should they downgrade him? So game week three was very disappointing for cane owners, especially those who captained him against Newcastle. Very easy to say in hindsight that it was a you know a bad decision, a silly decision, but it wasn't. You know, before game week three, captain Kane at home to Newcastle, who just conceded a hat trick to Timu Puki. 
it was you know a completely justified decision. And I think if I owned Kane, you know, going into game week three, I probably would have captained him as well. So you know, you can't beat yourself up about these decisions after the fact. Uh, before game week three, it was a, it was a good decision. Obviously, now it wasn't. Looking back, now the question is, what do you do with Harry Kane? The the issue I would have if I owned him was he did not look good against Newcastle. Uh, Tottenham as a whole didn't look great, so I would be pretty worried as a Kane owner. But but on on the flip side of that, you know, the way Newcastle set up, they made it very very difficult for Spurs. And you know, they had a back five, four midfielders sitting in front of them, so it was going to be it was always going to be difficult for them to break them down and just a very frustrating performance. But I think game week four Arsenal will be. You know, much better for Harry Kane and Spurs attackers. I could easily see Kane doing well in that game. You know, he'd have a lot more space. He'll definitely have more chances than he did against Newcastle. So I think if I owned Kane, as disappointing as it would have been game week three, I would probably give him one more week. Uh, I could easily see him do well in that Arsenal fixture. And we, we know over the last couple of seasons, he loves that fixture. He loves the North London derby. Arsenal are... Not a good defensive side, which we've seen against Liverpool. Salah tore them apart. Um, so, you know, if I was... I expect Spurs to score a couple of goals uh, this weekend. And, you know, when Spurs score, you fancy Kane to be involved in some way. Um, he's always got the penalties as well. If David Luiz goes around, you know, dragging people by the shirt this weekend, then Kane is going to benefit from that. So I think I, think I would keep him. Now... Another reason for keeping him, I'm a big advocate of banking a transfer, if any way possible, going into an international break, because we often get, you know, niggles, transfer, you know, injury niggles during the international break. Most of the time they're, you know, phantom injuries because these Premier League players don't want to go away and play international games and, and risk injury. And, you know, their clubs don't really want them going away either. So... If you can, you know, if keeping Kane allows you to bank a transfer, I think that's what I would do. And then, you know, give Kane one more game and then you can make a call on him afterwards, you know, game week five. And you'll have those two free transfers so you can do a bit of a rejig then if you want to get rid of him. You know, with two free transfers, it's much easier to get rid of Kane, maybe downgrade him to someone like Pookie or Barnes um, or these guys, Allaire, Wesley, these guys. And then with a second free transfer, you can you can maybe upgrade a, mid- a midfielder or, or pump more money into defence. So that is what I would do if I had Kane. Second question is from Ruslan this week. Uh, Ruslan asks, what is my view on Liver- the Liverpool defence? What is my view on having two of them ahead of two easy fixtures? Now, what I would say about this question is there's no such thing as, as easy fixtures in the Premier League, as has been proven in the last couple of weeks, you know, the big teams are not keeping clean sheets. Liverpool are not keeping clean sheets. Spurs don't have any. You know, Man City are not even keeping many either. So there is no easy fixtures in the Premier League. Now, on paper, Liverpool have Burnley next and they have Newcastle. So on paper, you would be hopeful that they would have, you know, at least one two, at least one clean sheet there, if not two. Um, so overall, what is my view on the Liverpool defence? I've got two of them. I've got Alexander-Arnold. Um, and I've got Robertson and watching the Arsenal game I was kind of you know watching it I, I was very I was a very happy owner watching that game up until they conceded obviously not so much in terms of clean sheets but how attacking those two guys were you know Robertson and Trent were just basically camped in the Arsenal half it helped that that Arsenal played played a diamond gave Trent and Robertson the freedom of the you know the left hand side and the right hand side 
it was disappointing really just to get one assist out of those two in that game, given how many chances they both had, how many chances they both created. Um, and the clean sheets will come, you know, I've no doubt about that. Adrian is a liability. He, at one point in that Arsenal game, he came out, you know, Van Dijk had the situation under control and Adrian came out and, and cleared it straight to Aubameyang who almost punished him, just, just put it wide. So, obviously the sooner Alisson gets back, the better for Liverpool defenders, but I'm I'm hopeful um, I kind of like the fact that a lot of people are getting rid of their Liverpool defenders. My hope, as as an owner of two of them, is that you know people sell the likes of Robertson, Van Dijk, Trent, and then over the next two games, hopefully that's when the two clean sheets come, and we know attack and returns will come as well. Um, so that's my hope. You know, I'm probably I've probably got more faith in them than than others do, and I'm just hoping that patience is rewarded. Um, so I'm not even it hasn't even crossed my mind to sell either Robertson or Trent, and it's mainly because how impressed I've been with them this season going forward. Trent is an absolute machine going forward. He's got set pieces, uh, and Robertson actually I feel very unlucky to have just you know six points from Robertson over the first three game weeks because he looks even better going forward this season than he did last season. You know, zero goals last season. I'd bet my house on it this season. If I had a house that I owned, I would bet I would bet my money on on Robertson scoring at least at least two goals this season based on those first two fixtures. He's shooting a lot more. He's getting a lot of touches in the box. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time before we see Robertson get on the score sheet. We know he'll get assists, but hopefully he can add goals to that as well. So I'm I'm very confident in 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 Robertson and, and Alexander Arnold. So I'm I'm more than happy to keep them for the next two game weeks at least. Next question is from Alex Ball, a top, top manager, Alex, who is a part of the Elite 64, which I used to be a part of. I'm, I'm stuck in the Qualifier League this season. Um, Alex asks, what is the ideal strike force now with budget options available? Uh, and Alex asks, is moving to three strikers up top viable? So let's say I was on a wildcard this week. What would I do? Uh, up front I think I would still stick with my you know a decent amount of money in defense Uh, I would still stick with you know quite a bit of money invested in midfield in Sterling Salah and De Bruyne so it it doesn't leave much cash up front so I think I would be on budget strikers Uh, Pukki is a no-brainer I think I would probably put Barnes in alongside him even though he has Liverpool next you know you know as I said I'm confident of, of returns from the Liverpool defenders over the next couple of weeks but part of me is also just ready for Barnes to score in game week four to 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 wipe out those clean sheets again given the form he's in you know he's just a no-brainer I think as well with Pookie so I think I'd probably end up having five midfielders and two budget strikers and they probably would be Pookie and Barnes but again as I mentioned uh, the likes of Allaire and Wesley are, are in my thoughts as well and there's there's other options there as well you know I've only mentioned a couple of them there um, is three strikers viable? I think it is. I think if you want to go three four three, um, there's lots of options there. It just depends how you want to play it. Uh, and definitely with these budget strikers, you know, you could even look at something like Pookie Barnes and maybe someone a bit more expensive. Dare I say it, Callum Wilson, or you know Vardy got on the score sheet again, um, or maybe maybe a strike force of Pookie Barnes and Allaire could be could be rewarding as well. Um, I'm keeping a close eye on this guy Keane at Everton as well, even though 
Everton worry me. You know, they 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 just never look like scoring many goals uh, in the last couple of weeks. So maybe Keane and Awobi will help things there. But you know, it is too early to go to go for Keane yet. But I think he's another name we could all be looking at in a couple of weeks' time if he can hit the ground running when he starts getting starts. So I think for me, it'd probably be two strikers. Probably probably Barnes and Pookie for obvious reasons. Um, but definitely definitely three strikers. I think is is viable as well. Uh, next question came in from FPL Pestalinas. Um, he asks, he or she asks, how how much are your transfer decisions related to stats like XG and XA? So basically this question is, how much does expected stats influence my decision making in FPL? And the answer to that is very, very little. Possibly Possibly they possibly have absolutely no effect on my decision making. I look at a lot of stats, but I only look at stats after I've watched games. So for me, eye test has always and always will be number one. I'm lucky that I've got time um, to watch a lot of games. You know, I don't have kids, um, so I've got a lot of time at the weekends to watch games. And obviously, I'm doing this FPL stuff full time, so I can record games at the weekend as well and watch them. You know, during the week. So I always end up watching probably five or six games from each game week you know 90 minutes so in doing that I don't really need to look at the stats too much from those games because I've already made up my own mind from from watching 90 minutes um in saying that you know I do always look at the stats each week um but I do look at expected stats but I don't look at them as much as a lot of other FPL managers do and it's probably a bit of stubbornness in a way because the way I look at it is, you know, I, I got three top 500 finishes before expected stats even existed. So why do I need to use them now? Now, maybe that's not the right way to look at it. But, you know, when I'm when I'm looking at stats each week, you know, I'm looking at all the regular stuff, you know, defenders, you know, touches in the final third, midfielders, chances created, goal attempts, all that kind of stuff, strikers, shots in the box, uh, penalty box touches, all that kind of stuff. And I do always, you know, hit the hit the expected stats tab as well but it's always just a quick look as just to get you know as part of an overall view of of all stats you know i just i just look at it as well but it never it's never come down to you know if i if i'm making a transfer on a friday and i'm looking at two players you know let's say i'm looking at pookie let's say i'm looking at barnes and trying to decide on who which one i'm going to go for expected stats you know xa or xg is not going to be the the deciding factor you know, it's part of an overall view of things. So my transfers are based on eye test number one. I like to look at the stats maybe to back up what I've seen or maybe to pick holes in what I've seen with my own eyes. You know, stats can be a good reality check because you can be biased as well from, you know, what you see. Um, so, yeah, for me, you know, expected stats, I do look at them, but I don't rely heavily on them at all. Uh, last question this week I will tackle is from the Tinkerman. Uh, the Tinkerman asks, will I ever buy Callum Wilson again? So yeah, long-time followers of me on social media will know my struggles with Callum Wilson. Owned him four or five times and never he's never scored a single goal while he's been in my team. Got a couple of assists out of him, game week one and two, and then sold him for Pookie game week three. The question, will I ever buy him again? I'd say there's a very good chance that I will because I think he's a very good player and I think he will become a very good FPL asset again at some point this season. You know, I was talking about ideal strike forces there. You know, I don't think Wilson would be in my ideal strike force right now if I was wildcarding. 
but that can change quickly. If Wilson bangs in a couple of goals next couple of game weeks, he'll be back on my watch list and he'll be back on my radar. So as much as he has troubled me, um, I think it would be very silly for me to say I'm never buying that guy again because you can't you can't really be let, you can't be stubborn in FPL you know you can't be stubborn with players you can't be stubborn with teams you know you gotta just give them all a clean slate and I'm a very forgiven person in life and I'm a very forgiven person in FPL as well so don't be surprised to see Callum Wilson come back in in a couple of weeks but don't worry I'll, I'll give you all a fair warning before I do so Moving on now to captaincy and transfers for game week four. So I put a tweet out this morning uh, about captaincy for game week four. I just said, forget about which players you own and who is the best captaincy option for game week four. I put four options, Sterling, Aguero, Mo Salah and the legend that is Timu Puki. At the time of recording, there's almost 9,000 votes on that. So a good you know, gives us a good idea of what people are thinking for captaincy this week. Uh, and hopefully most people vote in that poll, regardless of which player they have. Because you, you'll always find with polls, people will vote for the players that they have. You know, if, if someone doesn't have Aguero, if they think he's the best captain, they'll still vote for Sterling because they own Sterling and they're going to captain Sterling. So hopefully just by, you know, wording that tweet slightly differently, it gives that, you know, a better reflection of captaincy this week. So the stats, uh, the, the poll as it stands, Sterling got a huge 55% of the vote. No surprise there, given how consistent he's been this season. Uh, Aguero came second with 24%. Uh, Salah, somewhat surprisingly to me, only got 13%, given what he'd done, you know, given his brace last week. Maybe, you know, it's, it's Burnley away. It's not a great fixture. And Man City are home to Brighton, so that is a, that is a much better fixture on paper. Uh, and Pukki got a respectable 8%. I had to throw him into the poll there after what he's done last couple of weeks. I don't really expect anyone to, to follow through and captain him, especially if they've got the likes of Sterling, Aguero uh, and Salah, but I think he deserved his place in that poll this week. So for me, I don't have Aguero. So for me, it is between Sterling and Salah, which it is every week. You know, I, I pick those two. I pick Sterling and Salah at the start of the season with captaincy in mind because it takes the stress out of the captaincy each week. You just choose one of those and just be done with it. Um, I haven't really got it right, I don't think, yet. Um, I went Sterling last week um, and I went Salah the week before and, and neither of those were... were both. If, if I flipped both of those, I would have been better off. But we're not complaining when we get returns. Um so yeah, for me, I don't have Aguero, so it, it's going to be it's going to be Sterling for me. It's just that fixture; I can't look past it. Brighton at home, you know, I fully expect four five nil Man City in that game. Yeah, hopefully, it hopefully they do win to nil, so I you know get a as Zinchenko clean sheet out of it as well. So Sterling for me, it's a no brainer. Uh, Salah's away to Burnley. We know Burnley is not an easy fixture for anyone. I think. You know, Salah had a lot of joy against Arsenal. I don't think he'll have as much joy, as much space against Burnley. So for me, it's an easy one this week. Um, I do think for anyone who does have Aguero, I think he's an excellent option this week um, at home. Again, we know Aguero is so consistent at home. He's in great form, sitting in great form. So I think if, if I had Aguero, I'd be you know strongly considering him this week as well. So that's captaincy covered. Talking about transfers now, I've probably already mentioned my plans. You know, it's one of one of my big plans coming into this season was 
once every game week finishes, the first question I'm asking myself is, can I bank a transfer? So when I ask myself this question this week, can I bank a transfer? The answer is yes, because I don't have any major issues. I know a lot of people have people who have the likes of Martial, maybe Mason Mount. There's a lot of, you know, there's some doubts this week. So thankfully, I don't have any uh, headaches at this point recording on Tuesday. Hopefully, there's no issues in the midweek Carabao Cup games. Hopefully, Jota comes through on Thursday night without injury as well. So for me, at this point on Tuesday, it's going to be a bank uh, uh, and two free transfers after the international break is always nice. I don't have any plans to wildcard anytime soon. I'm actually I'm pretty happy with my start to the season. I think I'm sitting at about 375k. Not that rank matters until February, March, April time anyway, but it's nice to be in a decent position. And overall, I'm just very happy with my squad setup. I think that minus four last week, the three transfers, you know, it set me up quite well for the next couple of weeks. So I'm more than happy just to just to forget I have the wild card really uh, until until it's needed. So for me. It's going to be hopefully a nice stress-free international break without having to, to tinker with a wildcard squad. You know, I've, I've wildcarded quite often during the first international break over the, over the last couple of seasons. But one thing I don't like about wildcarding uh, during an international break is you've got way too much time to, to tinker. You know, I'd much rather play in a wildcard when you've only got a week as opposed to two weeks because... When you've got two weeks, it leads to overthinking, over-tinkering, and that is never good for FPL. So I think anyone who does wildcard over the international break, what I would probably do is, you know, get the players in uh, on the first day of the international break who, you know, could rise in price. Obviously, keep the guys in your team who you've got a bit of team value in, uh, who you think you could end up keeping on your wildcard squad, and then just forget about it for at least a week and come back to it in the second week and do your tinkering then because if you log in every day for two weeks you're going to fry your brain and you're going to make bad decisions so don't overdo it is my advice for anyone wildcarding during the international break um there will be no podcast next tuesday i will do a podcast i will do a podcast in the second week of the international break so that's what i'll do every international break this season i won't do a pod the first week i'll wait until the second week so no podcast next Tuesday, so the next 59th minute will be two, uh, two weeks from today. Um, and as always, it'll be with you by 5pm UK time. So keep an eye out for that one during the break. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, as always, give it a retweet on Twitter. Give it a thumbs up on YouTube. Leave a review on iTunes if you're listening there. Um, all the likes and shares are always appreciated. And if you would like to hear more podcasts from me... Uh, more articles more content check out my patreon page patreon.com forward slash fpl general you'll find the link to that on my twitter account which is at fpl general as well um, as always the match reports the the match reports from the season ticket holders are on the website fplgeneral.com there's about four or five up there currently i'll be adding two or three more today and then the rest throughout the week. So every week you've got match reports from people who are at the games. Um, so they're they're really helpful. So check those out if you get a chance as well. Um, I recorded a Fantasy Weekly podcast today with James as well. He's back from Croatia. So we recorded a nice short podcast. I think it's under 40 minutes this week. Um, that will be available Wednesday at 2pm. I'll be, as usual, I'll have a blog article on the Fantasy Bet um 
blog this week, later in the week as well, probably Thursday, with a few player picks for game week four. Um, and as always, I'll be playing in the Grand Weekend Tournament on Fantasy Bet this weekend. 550 to enter a team, £2,500 in prizes to be won. So basically, it's like a free hit squad. You pick a team for game week four only, and if you score 80, 90, 100 points, you're going to pocket yourself some cash there. So as always, Fantasy Bet is 18 plus only, and begambleaware.org. Enjoy your week folks good luck in game week four enjoy the international break don't miss my voice too much next week um, and i'll be back two weeks from today with another episode cheerio folks